Welcome back to the Untold Immigration Podcast. As always, you're here with Brian and Don. And we're recording this um, not long after the election. <laughs> and we still don't have a winner. So we will maybe hold off our comments on that just to see uh, what happens. But uh, needless to say, uh, there still are a lot of immigration stories in the news. And depending on the outcome of the election, it could get better or could get worse. <laughs> so before we get into the stories, uh, Don, how you been? What's new? Um, well, like you say, the election <laughs> obviously is new. Um, we're sitting here watching all the lawsuits being filed and this and that and the other. Um, so I don't, don't want to really talk about the election per se, right? but I would say that I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call this one for Biden Harris. <laughs> um, I guess if there's any good news coming out of this is, and, and this won't change regardless of whether they win or Trump pulls one out and wins, this part won't change that there clearly was not a, um, uh, landslide victory that the Democrats thought they would get. Mm -hmm. They, you know, it looks like they will lose a few seats in the House. They expected to gain 20 or 30. Right. Um, they, they could eke out a tie in the Senate because there's still a couple of races sitting out there, but they expected to take over the Senate. And, um, you know, if Biden-Harris win, then they have a tie in the Senate, then, you know, the, then Harris gets to cast the deciding vote. But, but I guess, you know, if you look at it and say, okay, what's the good news if the worst news happens is that they, you know, they can't start claiming a mandate. Right. <laughs> and, and clearly many of the issues that are out there are, you know, pretty well split. Um, not that each issue may be split. So um, I guess what I've said to my um, my buddies, and, and I don't even know if we ever mentioned this, and I'm not mentioning it. Well, yeah, I am mentioning it, I guess, as an advertisement a little bit. Um, you know, I'm the president of a group called uh, Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime, AVIAC for short, and AVIAC.us is the website. And, you know, needless to say, the, the board is not thrilled with what they're seeing happening. And um, although, you know, we had our issues with how Trump performed <laughs> in the immigration things, I'm certainly better than, than Hillary Clinton would have, but nowhere near what we wanted. Um, and, you know, we're looking at it as which and which we're doing here and is really important that assuming that Biden Harris win and the you know the Republicans keep control of the Senate that it's really important to somehow break through the media and get the story that we're telling you know in our podcasts out because they clearly you know don't know <laughs> um I think if we took it, you know, if we handed out a test on not which side you're on, but just you know, illegal immigration knowledge and even immigration knowledge, um, you know, half the country would easily get somewhere between a zero and a five. <laughs> they just have no idea because yeah. they've been lied to for years. Yep. So it, not that we haven't been trying anyway, and it's hard to do when a lot of the media won't speak to you, but that really has to be our, we're not going to get any legislation passed. I mean, that. Even if Trump pulls it out, the Democratic Senate's not going to pass any legislation, um, right. or the Democratic House, excuse me. So it, well, it really comes down to getting the public aware so that they go back to, even if they remain a Democrat, that they go back to their the people who are running and saying, look, you know, I, I agree with you on this and that and the other, but this your immigration position stinks. <laughs> so... Um, you know, so that's what's new <laughs> at, at my end. Well, no, I, that's perfect. Um, I, I 
kind of just to add to what you said a little bit, you know, I think the one thing I will say is, I mean, it doesn't look good for Trump at the moment. Um, but regardless of what happens, I mean, I think there have been some suspicious votes showing up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't want to harp on that too much, but regard, I, I think what's important though, regardless of what happens, and we've, we've talked about this before, but regardless of what happens, I think even if let's just hypothetically, let's say Trump remains president, he hasn't really done a good job of educating the people as to why he's doing what he's doing. And I think regardless of who is the president, whenever they decide, I think it's just as important, you know, what you said. I mean, it would have been critically important if the Senate fell because then there would be no stopping them. But as long as the Republicans retain the Senate, hopefully that will slow down a Biden-Harris administration from going full bore with amnesty. But, you know, Trump has never done a real good job explaining why he did what he did. And, and that's unfortunate because he was on the right side of things and he was all the changes he made were actually positive. And what, he, what I mean by that is the changes he was making, one was to discourage illegal immigration and to encourage legal immigration. Because the more, the more you discourage illegal immigration and the, the slower you make that process, the more time and resources you have available for legal immigrants to come into the country. And that's kind of been our point to this whole show is just, there's nothing wrong with legal immigration. It just has to be controlled. It has to be orderly and it has to be according to the laws that are on the books. So I think if anything, you know, even the people that are pro enforcement, a lot of times don't really understand why they want the law enforced. They just say, well, illegal aliens are bad, you know, or unfortunately a lot of people would pick on a nationality, which is a really bad way to describe it. Um, you know, they'll, they'll use nationalities as a pejorative, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because the discussion has to be more nuanced than that. Cause when you break it down into a racial discussion, you automatically lose the argument, you know, regardless of what side you're on. So I would say no matter what side you're on, you can always learn more because the immigration system is extraordinarily convoluted. And even people that work inside the system have a hard time understanding it. So I think anyone can can learn more. Um, and I think the more that you know about the immigration system, I think the more you are willing to accept Trump's policies only because you understand how, how destructive it can be if we don't enforce the law. Uh, so that's my, my opening rant. <laughs> no, no, well, no, I mean, it's an excellent point because, you know, when I guess maybe it was, you know, before the election, Sunday, Monday, you know, whatever, a couple of days before the election, when, you know, everybody was predicting a Biden-Harris landslide. Right. Um, I, I said, you know, well, you know, maybe not. And I, and, and I said, but, you know, let's assume for a minute that Trump wins a second term. And I said, and even, you know, like I said earlier, he's not, he wasn't going to get any legislation passed because the Democrats will block anything. And, and any, if they tried to make a deal on illegal immigration, it would only be a bad one. Right. <laughs> um, just so, so again, it came back to the education thing, but what I was, you know, we had, I actually was, I now I know exactly when it was, it was Monday night because we are having a board call. <laughs> and I said, what we need to do, and, I, and just so the audience knows, you know, um, not just sitting here as a person that complains. I've met Trump. I've been in the Oval Office. I've met the heads of all of the major, um, you know, Homeland Security. Well, different people because they come and they go. Um, I consider myself a good friend of Tom Homan, <laughs> the ex-ICE head. Um, and, you know, and I'm not just dropping names to drop names. I'm just not a guy sitting here who has no contact with any of these people and just throws stuff out. And I said to uh, one of our board members who was very friendly and was before she even became press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, I said, you, Trump wins as soon as possible. You have, through Kaylee, you have to get us an appointment with, and there's only five board members. It's not a huge crowd. You have to get us an appointment with the president. And 
it's not going to be a happy one because I, you know, I, his execution was atrocious. You're exactly correct that he was on the right side of the issue. But what surprised me, and I was saying this while it was going on, okay, he claims to be a businessman. He's got some business people, his daughter and son-in-law who are business people in the administration. Where's the business plan? Where's the plan written out page by page with what you're going to do and why you're going to do it? If, If it exists, they've never shown it to anybody. And if you're doing something, and you know, my whole life was in business, if when I was trying to convince the CEO that I worked for of something that I knew he was against, I didn't have the authority to just do it. I had to convince him. Now, sometimes, you know, I try to make it his idea. So, you know, they were more compelling, you know, to say yes. I didn't really care who got the credit. But but the main thing was that in order to get him to say, okay, I'll let you do that, I needed him, you know, I needed to convince him it was the right thing to do. And even if you're the president of the United States, whatever it is, you have to convince people. And, and, you know, you always hear people say, well, we have the bully pulpit. And that's what the bully pulpit is to convince the citizens of whatever your argument is. It's not to bully them. Right. And, and his approach was to bully the other side that was against this. Right. And that never works. You've got to give them the facts. You've got to explain, you know, the whole issue, which obviously blew up in his face big time, was separating kids from, you know, from their parents. And I got to tell you, I'm, and you know me, I'm a fairly liberal guy on most issues. He was 100% right to do that. Right. Not only did they execute it poorly because they probably weren't ready to do it, but he never explained to anybody why we need to do this. Right. The average public you know, individual doesn't know anything about the Flores settlement right. and detention and who shows up, even in the last debate. When, when, and I'm not even sure who brought it up or how it got there, when, but Biden made a comment, no, all, the, all these people show up for their hearings, and Trump said 1% show up for their hearings. Well, they were both wrong, but Trump was more wrong because a lot of people do show up for their hearings. They don't show up when they're denied <laughs> asylum and, and they have already disappeared in the country. That's, that's the ninth inning of the game. Showing up for your hearing is the seventh inning. Well, let's, you know, let, let, let's talk about that. And I, I don't want to derail your, your comments, but I think it's important. Let, let's break that down a little bit because the, the children issue has always come up and it's always been a, a sticking point. And a lot of people have always said, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't separate families at the border. Well, okay. First of all, a lot of those families weren't actually families. Number one, they, yeah. were, they were recycling <laughs> children. Right. So what would happen is the coyotes, which are actual smugglers, not animals, like a lot of people are saying, but the coyotes are professionals and they have a, a series of children that they probably paid for or they're paying their families. And what they would do is they would give them to families or they would claim they were families at on the other side of the border, give them to a group of people, say, hey, you're a family, go to the border, knowing that if you showed up as a family, you would get released into the country. And then when that family crossed the border and got released, the smugglers would take those kids, bring them back into Mexico and give them to the next family. So a lot of those families weren't actually families. The second part of that is, in, like you said, in the past, everybody knew that if you, if you showed up with a kid, you got released. And that, that ties into the, the hearing issue that they were talking about, right? An immigration hearing or an immigration um, trial is a multi-step process, right? So it isn't like you show up one day and then there's a decision on your case and then you get to stay or get to go home. There are several hearings and it takes years. So <laughs> in a weird way, Trump and Biden could have both been right to a degree only because, yeah, maybe maybe 90% of them showed up to their first hearing. But what about the second hearing? What about the third hearing? What about when they request an extension? What about when they request a change of venue? All right? There are all these little tricks that they can play to drag out their case. But like you said, though, in the ninth inning, what matters is how many people actually get ordered deported and then how many people are actually removed from the country. And that's really what matters. 
But that's the that's a number that nobody's talking about. And I think that number, I mean, it, I don't know off the top of my head, but that number is pretty low because the scam has always been if you show up at the family, claim fear, you're going to get released in the country and then you disappear and then you ride your case out for as long as you can, claiming fear or whatever it is. And then at some point, either you're going to get status potentially, which is a small number, or your case gets denied because you made up a story. And if your case gets denied, if you're not in custody, well, what happens is the court sometimes will give you 90 days to depart or they say, okay, you can leave on your own. There are different options the immigration court has to allow people to leave on their own instead of actually physically deporting them, or they could get ordered deported, or they could not show up to the hearing and still get a deportation order because they didn't, they weren't in court to for the hearing. So there are all these different little things, but every step of the way, you lose a couple percentage points of people. So the amount of people that actually show up to their final hearing is minimal. But he was do he did that and he failed to explain why he did that. He failed to explain the process. And like we said, people don't understand how convoluted this process is. So it is kind of his fault for not explaining it because if I really think if people understood what a mess the immigration system is and how long it takes to actually deport someone, I think he would have had a lot more people on his side, but he never did it. And he never put anyone in place except for Holman to that really got any traction and really had anybody listen to him. And, and that's really a shame um, because he likes, he was on the right side. He was, he was right to do that. And you know, the other part of it too is that nobody ever talked about it, is when you have a group of people that shows up at the border there's certain things that you have to do before they get released in the country. They get medical exams. There, there's a process before someone gets released out onto the street. So you can't just put a bunch of men and women together and children in the same facility if you don't have separate beds for them <laughs> because you don't know who they are. And it, it, just think of the headlines. If you put a bunch of men in with a bunch of women or even a bunch of men and women and children together, and all of a sudden, a bunch of kids start getting molested, or a bunch of women start getting raped. Then what? Well, when well, Trump is running a, a sex ring, or whatever the headline would have been, right? So, at the very least, from a detention standpoint, if you don't know who these people are, and they have no proof, they have no documents, they have nothing to prove that they're actually a family. It's kind of the lesser of two evils to separate them and say, "We don't know who you are. We're not going to put children in with a bunch of adult men and take a chance that something bad happens." Right. And to be totally fair, I would personally rather do that than take a chance of some innocent child getting molested or some woman getting raped. Right. Because they just happen. Well, we can't separate people. we got to keep them all together. Right. So there's there's so much more to it, but it never nobody ever talked about it. And it, it was really frustrating. Um, you know, and I, I hope I didn't <laughs> I didn't derail your, your train of thought there, but I wanted to kind of explain that. Um, no, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it's look, it, it's. The attention span of the average person is pretty short. <laughs> um, that's why, you know, when you watch a lot of these, you know, conversation shows, they, you know, I mean, I've been on a lot of shows. They give me three minutes <laughs> and I tell, you know, by the time I'm done telling him what happened to my son, I have no more time to talk about what I really want to talk about. And because I, I can tell this, you know, I can tell this story about my son every day. And people just brush it off. The people who don't understand illegal immigration brush it off. It's a terrible thing, but it's one off. Right. Happened one time. Matter of fact, I I I was at a I was at a hearing in July of 2015. It was a couple of weeks after Kate Steinle was killed. And there was a pastor there who was testifying for the other side. We had five people testifying who had lost anywhere from, well, Kate Steinle's father was there. Um, Susan Oliver, whose husband was a Sacramento sheriff who had been literally assassinated, was there. And one guy talking about his brother, one guy talking about uh, um, his, um, uh, her son. And I didn't get to speak because they could only take so many people, but I was there and I submitted written testimony and this pastor, you know, when he was talking, this is so, yes, this is terrible what happened to you. But since it only happens to, you know, a few people, it's terrible. But, you know, it's something we, you know, we have to, you know, we can't blame everybody. That was what he said. 
so so anyway, he you know he gave his little you know five minute thing and and he was downplaying the whole thing and, and that yeah it's terrible that it happened. Don't blame it on everybody. Well, after he was after the hearing was over, um, I walked up to him and I said, "Could you explain to me what few means?" And in a really ugly face, <laughs> he just repeated back like few. Now, you can't see any of this, but if you Google this, you can hear, because C-SPAN was still recording. It's just the camera was facing the dais, so right. it couldn't be seen, but you could hear me. And I screamed at him, few? What do you mean few? We're talking thousands, tens of thousands have been killed. And the next thing I knew, there were two Capitol Hill police asking me to leave the room. Um, and they, when I got outside in the hallway, another one came running saying, um, cuff them, cuff them, and they handcuffed me. And, and, you know, I didn't get arrested because I didn't do anything. You know, the hearing had already been, it is a felony if you interrupt a hearing in progress. Mm -hmm. But once the hearing is over, it's a nothing. Right. <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, I didn't hit the guy. I didn't threaten him. I didn't do anything. I just got loud. But the, the main point being, and I was really angry, not just at him, I was angry at all this in this case, I'll say the Republican senators, because I didn't expect anything out of the Democratic senators. Where was your questioning? Why didn't you ask this guy, you know, what do you mean few? And, and at that time, the number that I had in my head of people that had been killed by an illegal alien, um, you know, since the last the Reagan amnesty was, you know, in the 50 to 70,000 range. It's probably, well, certainly higher now because it's five years later. Right. But even the prior information that I got, it was probably higher. And I was like, you know, you can't let this crap be said and not challenge it back. And, you know, not one senator. And I, I wrote a letter to, which I know he got because I knew the, the woman who put the hearing together um, for um, Senator, um, drawing a blank, uh, Grassley was the chair of the Judiciary Committee at the time. And I wrote a letter. I said, you don't know me, but I'm the guy who got, you know, handcuffed and taken out of the thing. This is not a letter of apology. Where were you guys? Why didn't anybody question this guy? Why don't you get a number out there? And the irony of that story is when they decided which five people they were going to, you know, let testify, mm -hmm. they, you know, my story is bad. These stories were worse. Right. Torture. Murder. I mean, yeah, my son was killed, but the guy, you know, he didn't murder him. He didn't, I don't think he meant to kill him. Their stories were horrific. And, and I said to the woman, I said, look, I've watched these hearings. I've testified, written some of them. You need, it doesn't have to be me, but you need one person out of the five that's going to talk about the story, not their story. Right. And, and of course they didn't do that. And exactly what I told her, I said, you know, they're gonna write this off as, yeah, it's terrible that these five people got killed, but that's the only five that have ever been killed. Right. <laughs> they didn't say that, but they insinuated that. And, and that's where this whole thing falls apart. And that's where, you know, the Trump administration fell down. I gotta tell you that one, that probably where Trump said the 1% came from was, I asked Tom Holman a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I said, how many people show up? I had plenty of statistics on hearings and asylum claims and this and that. But I said to him, I can't find anything on how many people show up for their hearing once they're or show up for their deportation after their hearing's over and they get a letter saying you've been denied. And he said it's less than 2%. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure he said that to Trump and Trump says 1%, but he mixed it up between hearings and, and um, you know, deportation. Well, if the American public knew that and you explained to it, that's why we're separating. And when we put families in detention, they move to the front of the line for hearings. Right. Um, and, you know, all these other pieces all of a sudden, I, I mean, I can still see somebody saying, well, but you shouldn't separate a kid, but they get separated all the time. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, they, they make these things like, oh, if you separate them, it's going to destroy their, you know, psyche for life. And it's like, wait a minute, this, the story of the why these kids are coming is, you know, they've had 
family members that have been murdered. They live in, you know, poverty. All the, you know, their their mothers get raped on their way, bringing them here for months and months. And that doesn't mess them up. But you separate them for a couple of days and all of a sudden they're, they're a wreck for the rest of their life. Why didn't we see that with all the kids in Europe after World War II? Why don't we see that with all the kids that end up in refugee camps and everything that goes on sometimes for years? But these kids, because they're separated for, they're they're living in a nicer place than they've ever lived. They're given nicer clothes than they've ever had, better food than they've ever had. They've got other kids around them that they're friends, but they're going to be mental wrecks for the rest of their life. Right. And, you know, and even the thing with cages, I'm sorry, I'm rattling on. No, here. go ahead. You know, the thing with cages, it's like if 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 chain link fence equals a cage, no matter how big it is, then I spent K through 12 in a cage. Right. <laughs> because every school that almost every kid goes to, at least back east, I can't speak for here, although my kids the, the school is surrounded by a chain link fence. And when you go out for, you know, recreation time, you're in a, you're in a chain link fence and you better not step outside of it. You know? <laughs> and, and sometimes it's partitioned off for the kindergarten kids and whatever. So it, it's like, but again, there was no real good response back other than will Obama built them. Well, that's true, but that doesn't mean you, have, if they're really cages, if we're really putting one kid in a two foot by three foot cage, just because Obama built them doesn't mean you need to use them, but that's not what it was. Right. Well, and just, I mean, as a reminder too, to anybody out there, there was a picture circulating of a child in a cage, Yeah, yeah. which, which was actually from a protest. In that, Dallas, Texas, yeah. in the Dallas police department. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the, the picture that a lot of people have probably seen of a child in a cage was from a protest and no one really... I mean, it's not really circulating too much anymore, but there was never really a concerted effort by the people that first published that picture to say, hey, this wasn't actually a detention center. This was just a protest that someone made. They brought the cage and they put the kid in there as a, as a protest. But just to kind of reiterate a, a couple of things, you know, going back to the, the kids coming across and the families and stuff, I always say this because I think it's important. There is a system for people to emigrate to the United States legally. They can claim refugee status at the embassy or the consulate, at the American embassy or consulate in their own country, right? So if they are in legitimate fear of their lives or they have a legitimate claim because someone is coming after them or whatever the case is, everyone can go to an American embassy or a consulate in their country and make their claim. There's no reason for all these people to be trekking across multiple countries to come to the border to make their claim. The reason they're doing it is because they know what the scam is. They know the scam is just to come to the border, claim they're afraid, and they know they get let in because that's what happened to all their family members. So this, to be honest, shouldn't even be an issue, right? Because there is already a legal system for them to address this. That's one of the reasons why we have consulates and embassies in practically every country in the world, right? And another part about that is just think about it in your own life, right? If you live in a bad part of your, your city, Right. Let's think about this. Like, let's say you live in Detroit, right, or whatever. Not to pick on Detroit, but let's say you live in a bad part of Detroit, or you live in some crummy area of Los Angeles. Do you get to emigrate to Canada because Los Angeles <laughs> is a toilet? No. Why don't you move? Right. Move to another part of the country. Right. You are a citizen of whatever country you live in. Just because the conditions are bad in that particular part of your country, I guarantee you, the entire country is not war torn and full of gangs. Right. I guarantee you, it's not. So move. If you can make the trek across Central America and Mexico, which is a big country, and come to the border, you certainly have the ability to move to another part of your own country, right? Or at the very least, you can get yourself to an embassy in your own country or the neighboring country. And you also are free to claim asylum in the next closest country. So if you live in Nicaragua, you can claim refugee status in Honduras or Ecuador or wherever, or Mexico, right? There are all these countries that are, that are neighboring countries where you're free to make the same claim. The idea that everybody in the, in the entire world that doesn't like where they're at has the right to come to America is just, is foolish. And it, it makes no sense. But the reason that it happens is because our system is set up for people to take advantage of. And not to get too off topic, but think about this, right? Think about California, and a lot of other states now are, are doing the same thing, but California seems to be the worst. In California right now today, 
if you're an illegal alien child, you get free health care. Gavin Newsom keeps talking about giving free health care to every legal alien, right? They already know they get free education, which includes three meals a day, I think, at least two. At least right? two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get free education, you get free food, you get scholarships to college in California. Now the in-state tuition for community college is free for a year or two, I think. But healthcare, education, and then the more American kid, the more U.S. citizen kid you have, the more welfare you get, the more food stamps you get, you get Section 8 housing, you get a driver's license, you have the governor of California telling you you're free to work, right? So if you're in a foreign country and you hear the governor of California saying, everyone is welcome, there's no border, if you come here, we're going to give you the red carpet treatment, give you everything that you can't even imagine having in your own country, we're going to give it to you essentially for free, consequence free, why wouldn't anybody come here, right? So all these benefits are a huge draw to all these people coming across. So you have to do everything you can to discourage people from, from coming here. And, you know, that's another thing Trump ever pointed out is that they're not just fleeing violence, right? If they were just fleeing violence, they could go to another part of their country or they could claim asylum in another country. They're coming here because our system is almost useless as far as deterring people. And once they get here, they get an enormous amount of benefits courtesy of the taxpayer. You know, I know we've talked about it before. It's a huge amount of money. It's in California, it's about 22, $23 billion that goes to illegal aliens. And we've, we've talked about it. They contribute two or $3 billion in return. So the state of California is in the hole for $20 billion just in benefits to illegal aliens. And that's just benefits. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said you're low. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, you're right. But 20 billion is enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> what's a couple billion here and there, you know? Um, but regardless, of, I, I mean, you're right. I, I think my estimates are low, but even if my low estimate is, <laughs> is not correct, that's still $20 billion. And now when you think about it in the context of Gavin Newsom is saying, we can't fix the roads. We have to increase car taxes. We have to increase gas taxes. We have to increase property tax because we can't afford this. We can't afford that. Okay. Well, which is it? Right. You have the ability to give out health care, welfare, food stamps, education, giving unemployment benefits to legal aliens. But yet we don't have money on the back end to fix our roads. We don't have money to give out to American citizens when they need unemployment. Right. Everything that American citizens rely on, he can't pay for. But yet somehow he has 20, 30 billion dollars in his back pocket to give out in various ways to to illegal aliens. You know, that that's crazy to me that. I mean, <laughs> I know most people don't believe it because it, it sounds so crazy, but nobody disputes it. And the, the only people that say anything about it is, well, they contribute to society. They pay taxes. Okay. Well, they do, but not nearly enough. Hey, tourists yeah. pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, but, and, and they're net positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they're not taken out of the system. They're contributing. Oh. But one of the things I... I wanted to talk about it because I know we've talked about the tax money before, but um, you know, as if the tax money is not enough reason to, to enforce the law, there was a study that came out. Uh, this was on judicial watch, which I, they're pretty fair. I mean, I think they're, they go after everybody pretty equally. So this isn't just a conservative only website. I, I, I tend to think they're, they're pretty fair, but <laughs> this is another reason to secure the borders, right? And this kind of relates to the kids. But the, t the headline is, overwhelming majority of MS-13 defendants are in U.S. illegally. DOJ charges 127 this year. Okay. So that number may not seem like a lot, but that means they've charged 127 gang members with various crimes. Um, it says this year some of them face life in prison. Um, and it also says that they have an estimated 10,000 members in the United States, right? So 10,000 MS-13 gang members in the U.S. So we know that MS-13 is one of the most violent gangs on the planet, right? They, these stories get suppressed and we, we're going to talk about them as, as we come across them. But one of the real dangerous things about what Obama did that never really got talked about is when, when all these kids were coming across the border, the first time there were gang members mixed in there, right? There were criminals mixed in claiming to be kids. MS-13 took advantage of this. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that most foreign countries don't really have a legitimate document system. 
right? So it's not uncommon for people born in some foreign countries not to have any identification because they're not born in a hospital, right? And that's, I'm not saying that as pejorative, I'm being truthful. A lot of people just aren't, they don't have records, right? So if you're an MS-13 gang member, why not come here, right? You just say, hey, I'm, I'm <laughs> they could be a smuggler for all we know, but they're just going to link up with a family. They're going to come to the border and say, oh, I'm a poor family. I'm fleeing violence because these guys know what the deal is. And that, and what was really dangerous about what Obama was doing, I don't want to get too off track on my point, but there was a time when there were so many kids and families coming to the border, claiming asylum, claiming different things, right? That the Obama administration had to hire private contractors to escort all of these kids around the country, right? And I really believe one of the reasons why we're seeing an increase in MS-13 gangs in, in really random places in, in the Northeast you know, states, especially, a lot of these families, and I'm using air quotes, were sent by the Obama administration to all different parts of the country, right? Because they claim they had family members or whatever. So the taxpayer paid to fly all of these kids all around the country to live with family, in air quotes, right? We didn't know who they were, right? But we just let them in. We let them in and we forgot about them. And I can tell you from the people that I've talked to that there were so many families coming across the border that the government and ICE and DHS and whomever else, they were completely overwhelmed. They had more files of people. They had more people that they knew what to do with, right? And it, having talked to some of these guys and girls that, that work for ICE, I mean, they, they would tell me stories of milk crates upon milk crates upon milk crates of new files coming across. Because what would happen is these guys would get encountered by Border Patrol. Border Patrol would start a new file, what's called an A file, give them an A number, which is their alien number, and basically say, okay, here's your court date, come back in a year, come back in two years, and they would disappear. And it would just be an endless supply of, of new files. And ICE is the one that keeps track of them once they're inside the country. But to be fair, everyone that I talked to was completely overwhelmed. Like they didn't, they couldn't keep track of them all because there were so many coming across the border that everyone just kind of threw their hands up and said, we don't know what to do. So knowing that the smugglers, everyone else that took advantage of the system said, Hey, they can't keep track of us. Let's go. It's a free pass. And we know that once you get in the country, it takes years, you know, it takes years for your court case to, to work its way through the system. But we see these gang members that, that took advantage of it. And, you know, I, I kind of always like to talk about the, the gun control issue. You know, I don't want to, get on that debate but if you if you compare the two they always talk about well if we could just save one child right if we if we only banned guns we could save one child right and if we save one child it's worth it right you know or even you know sometimes the the drunk driving groups you know if, if we could just save one child right all these various groups always say if we could just save one child right okay so you want to save one child being killed by a firearm okay that's great nothing wrong with that you want to save a child from dying in a, a drunk driving accident. Great. Beautiful. I'm on your side. <laughs> but when it comes to MS-13 cutting the hearts out of people in Maryland, right, and dismembering people and raping people, that's eh, no big deal. You don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the most bizarre thing. Um, you know, it, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but one of the things that, that really jumped out at me in this article was uh, the DOJ released a report documenting the government's achievements in pursuing MS-13 members nationwide. Since fiscal year 2016, the agency has charged 749 MS-13 defendants and obtained 504 convictions, including 37 life sentences. Uh, 127 MS-13 gang members facing life sentences after being convicted. Um, DOJ is seeking death penalty in two cases, New York and Virginia. Um, so these are serious crimes, right? These are really serious crimes, and these are the ones that got caught. <laughs> so, you know, how much, how much is enough, right? How many of these guys are we willing to let in the country, right? You know, I, you've always said that example, and I really like it. You know, you say, I'm going to give you a bottle of aspirin, right? And I'm going to put 99 aspirin in that bottle, but one of them is going to be a poison pill that's going to kill you. That's a 1% chance, right? It's a 1% chance of dying. 
Are you going to take, are you going to shake that bottle up and, and take one of those pills? Most people probably wouldn't. Right. But that's essentially what we're doing is to say, well, it's only a 1% chance or whatever the percentage is, but so what? <laughs> the, those are crimes that should have never happened. And we know that MS-13, we know they're involved, drug trafficking, kidnapping, human smuggling, sex trafficking, murder, racketeering. Like those are things that these guys do, right? And for all this talk about, you know, there's a new thing of, you know, save the children. We have to protect children from sex trafficking. Absolutely, no, no question here, right? You wanna protect children. I mean, that should be your first priority, but you have a group that is act actively involved in those things, right? You have a group actively involved in, in smuggling children for sex trafficking, essentially, right? But we can't enforce immigration law, right? We don't, we don't wanna use a tool that we have in our tool belt to, to stop sex trafficking, right? So by enforcing immigration law, you can in effect reduce child trafficking, you can reduce sex trafficking, but, but nobody wants to do it. I mean, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but the left doesn't want to do it. You know, oh, you, they're, they're just here to work. They're just here for that. Well, yeah, some of them are, but look at the percentage that aren't, right? So how many, how many children are you willing to sacrifice? How many people are you willing to, to have murdered? How many MS-13 gang members do you want to have in the country? Like, I mean, will you tolerate a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand? What's the number? Like, where, where do you draw the line? And, and that's a question that, that nobody can answer. And, and that's, it's frustrating because they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. And when you bring this stuff up to people that are on the other side, they just, well, like, like you said, like your <laughs> the interaction you had with that pastor, they deny it, right? They, oh, well, it's only a few. Well, okay. Those are a few lives, right? Those are a few victims. So how many is enough? You know, how many, how many are you willing to tolerate? Because what's the payoff, right? Why are we tolerating illegal immigration when we know that there's a cost to it, right? And regardless of what the number is, anytime a child is murdered or anytime a woman gets, gets raped or whatever, that's one too many. That should never happen because as we've said before, especially MS-13, but illegal aliens have no right to be here. So therefore their crime should have never they should have never had the opportunity to, to commit that crime, you know, and it's, it's well, story, that, yeah. story after story like this, and they never make it to the mainstream media. And unfortunately, when you, when you talk about it, people don't want to believe it and they deny it because it never, it never makes it to their consciousness, which is, I think really unfortunate and, and really sad, but well, the, the way the mainstream media addresses it, if it does make there, they'll always, you know, the, that standard line is that, you know, undocumented immigrants commit less crime than the native born. Right. Now, aside from the fact that it's not true, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it is true. So that makes it acceptable. Right. I, I would guess, and I don't know, it could be one or the, it has to be one or the other that either left-handed people kill more people than right-handed people or vice versa. I have no idea. Right. Does that excuse the other group that's, that commit less murders right. because left-handed people or right-handed people commit more? The, the issue is you never get to confront these people when they make those moronic statements. Because I know if I said, <laughs> if I made a state, let's say, uh, you know, my son, killed somebody. And I said, well, you know that white people kill at a rate less than black people. I, I'd be, and I should be, tarred and feathered as being a racist and whatever. Right. But somehow it's acceptable that illegal aliens kill people because they kill at a rate less. And again, right. it's not true, but, but even if it was, and, and when you think of those things, I mean, you know, you, you, you presented the case perfectly like MS-13 guys is assuming there's a Biden-Harris administration and hopefully the Republicans will, you know, if they have the Senate will not allow any of this to happen. But think about this, right? even if you're an honest, nice person in Honduras or El Salvador or whatever, and you hear that 
the new administration is good. Not only are they going to give everybody who's here amnesty, but they're going to give everybody who's here illegally health insurance for free. Right. And and they're going to give and they're going to tell you, well, if you cross the border, it's not going to be a crime anymore. It'll be like a parking ticket. So we'll give you a parking ticket. <laughs> right. The floodgates will open. Right. As, as well, they should. I mean, if 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 I was in another country and got that offer, man, I'd be <laughs> I'd be gone in a second if I wanted to go to the United States. And it was interesting. There was a our local newspaper today had a, you know, the, in the letters thing from last week, a woman had written why she thought Trump was so great. And today, of course, this week, there's why he's so bad. But and it's not even really that. It's just one comment that he made because, you know, they're all gone down all these things. And he says, anybody who is anybody who wants to better their life and come here should be able to. Now, on a, you know, on a peripheral level, yeah, that's a great thought. Who was it that said that? It was just a guy who was writing a letter. He was he oh, okay. was writing why Trump is so bad. Okay. Like his, his one, you know, and the, just the way he had structured his letter, that was his thing on immigration. Anybody left? Well, if, you know, and we look, I hear that. I hear that on MSNBC, guests and whatever. But nobody ever says, okay, how many? Right. <laughs> and... And how many, knowing that if you just let the borders open to let these people come in, how many active criminals are going to take advantage of that? Right. Obviously, if you're if you have a criminal record in whatever country you're from, you're not going to be allowed into this country legally. So your only option is to come in illegally. Right. So right. of course you're you automatically get a higher percentage of people that are illegally because that's the only way they can get here. And but but again, the, the you know, if I'd like to, I mean, I wish I could say to the guy, okay, you live here, you live in California, <laughs> so you, you you don't have the excuse that look at all the homeless people we have, right. look at the property issues we have where there's no housing and what is available is so expensive. Look at the school system. Forget COVID for the minute, but. The school systems are, you know, especially K through 12, are terrible. Right. They're overcrowded. You, they're constantly complaining there's not enough money. We can't even take care of the people that are here. Even if right. we were going to say tomorrow we'll take care of every illegal alien person that's here. We can't do that. We just we don't have the resources to do it. Or we're just in effect and we're ineffective at doing it. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but because you're a little further away from LA than I am, but the first batch of of construction for homeless people, they built them apartments. It costs seven hundred thousand yeah. yeah. dollars for each of them. Well, multiply that out over all the homeless. It's and here's this guy saying, "Oh no, you come on, more people come." So there's clearly a lack of thought because even if you take out the illegal part of it, you live here. You have to know the problems we're having because right. of the number of people that are here. Right. Forget whether they're here legally or not. Why would you invite more people to come right. <laughs> when you can't handle the ones you have? I mean, every once in a while you read a story in the newspaper of you know this family. You know, everybody thought they were so wonderful because they've adopted you know 18 kids. And then somebody goes in the house and finds they're living in squalor because they can't take care of them. Well, that's the same thing that we're doing here. You're okay. You're, you're being a nice, kind person by saying, let's bring more people here, but you're being horrible because you're hurting all the ones that are already here. Right. So every person that was on the Titanic could have fit into a lifeboat and the lifeboats would have all, flipped over and everybody would have been killed. There had to be a decision. We can't, you know, the lifeboat holds 50, whatever. I don't know, whatever it holds 50. Maybe we can hold 50. We can't hold a hundred. And, you know, whoever made that decision, I guess the captain or whatever was going on at the time, that's a tough decision to say, Hey, 
you know, it's women and children first, men, you're going to die. Right. Is it better to say, well, let's try to take everybody knowing that then everybody's going to die <laughs> or right. maybe a boat or two will make it. And nobody is willing to have to make those decisions and make those comments. And even if you, you know, when a, when a kid comes to LA to go to school, it costs us $17,000 a year. Well, it's really more, but that's the direct payout. How much further would that money go to educating that kid in El Salvador? <laughs> right. Where they're probably yeah. spending $2,000 to educate a kid. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and so bringing them here is not the solution. Maybe helping them there. And I know yeah. there's lots of issues because of corruption and everything. But figure that out because bringing them here, you're not, you know, maybe you're helping them a little, but you're hurting everybody else a lot. Right. And, and you know, that conversation never happens because the media doesn't allow it to happen and they don't allow it to happen because they know they they can't answer it. The question I used to ask, going back to your thing, was I would say to somebody, OK, you, you claim there's 11 million people here illegally. I don't want to argue over what the total is. But I want to ask you, for those 11 million people to stay here, how many deaths of American citizens are you willing to accept every year? And of course, what's the answer? There's never an answer. <laughs> because what are you going to say? One? A <laughs> hundred? A thousand? The answer is zero. They shouldn't be here. And if they weren't here, you wouldn't have those deaths. And they just, you know, they, they don't answer. Now, we do. For immigration, I don't, there's, I don't know what the number is, but we do accept the fact that if we allow people in the country, some of them, whether on purpose, accidental or not, some of them will kill somebody. Right. And But we're willing to accept that because we're saying, you know, it's the same thing. You build a highway, you know people are going to be in crashes and die. Right. <laughs> but you can't say we're not going to have any highways to save everybody because that doesn't work either. So you say, we're going to build it the best way we can. We're going to put in all the, you know, the newest things to try to make it safe. But yeah, somebody's going to die. But we don't do that. We shouldn't be doing that with the illegal activity that brings us no benefit. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, you know, that, that's a discussion. Like you said, that, that discussion has never had. And no matter what it is, right, whether it's a car or the freeway, everything we do is designed around the idea of reducing the possibility of someone getting injured or getting killed. Every, every time we build a house or build a building or design a road or design a new car, it's how do we reduce the risk of someone dying, right? No matter what it is, people are going to die in unfortunate ways. There's no way around it, right? People fall off ladders, people slip in their bathtubs. So you're not going to prevent everything. But like you said, when it comes to the comes to illegal immigration, it's the complete opposite. It's just, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah, We're not, it's, it's, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care how many. <laughs> it, it's the most bizarre thing. And, you know, going back to just kind of what you said, you know, if you allow someone in the country legally and they follow the law, right, then if they do kill someone or harm someone, that's in a sense something that you couldn't have prevented because you never know when someone is going to break the law, right? Someone is, someone is, had, someone doesn't have a criminal record until they commit a criminal act, right? But when it comes to Ill illegal immigration, that's a criminal act, right? You're violating the law. So why on earth are we choosing to ignore those violations until, you know, they commit a crime? And, and that's one of the things that, that Biden said that really frightened me is he said, we're not going to, you know, no deportations for 100 days, which is stupid. And then the other thing I heard him say was, you're only getting deported if you commit a felony. Okay, well, <laughs> on in a soundbite, that sounds logical. But when you think about what he said, he basically said, if you come here illegally, we're not going to deport you until you commit a serious crime, right? Until you create another victim then you get deported. So why on earth are you going to wait until you create another innocent victim and then enforce the law, right? We're going to wait until you harm someone or you steal someone or steal someone's car and then 
we're going to deport you. Whereas if you would just deport people and let it be known that we don't tolerate illegal immigration, they would never have been here in the first place to have the opportunity to commit that felony and create another victim. And, you know, more importantly, what people don't realize is that in a state like California, they do everything they can to minimize people's convictions, right? So even if you commit a heinous crime in California, a lot of times it gets played down to a misdemeanor. And a lot of times, most of the time, they do it to protect illegal aliens because hey, California- that, that, that what Biden said to me is that the guy who killed your son should be allowed to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> because the guy who killed my, I mean, he was charged with it to what you just said. He was charged with a felony. The judge dropped it to a misdemeanor. He got convicted, but Joe Biden is saying, well, that's not enough to have him deported. Yes, he killed your son, but it was only a misdemeanor. Yeah. And, and for somebody, particularly Joe Biden, for somebody whose first wife and child were killed in a car collision, <laughs> it, it's incredible that he would say that. Absolutely incredible. Now, I don't expect... Look, if it, if it had truly been an I, I know there's accidents. This was not an accident. And, and who knows? We never got to, to deal with it. But, you know, did he kill him because he was trying because he was trying to flee? And was he trying to flee because he was here illegally? I mean, I know he didn't hit him on purpose. That way, right. you know, I, I have no I mean, I'm just assuming that. But I have no reason to believe that he hit him on purpose. But maybe it was a, oh my god if i get caught i'm gonna get deported i better flee and that's what killed him it wasn't the hit it was the run and and to hear that you don't take that seriously enough right. joe biden <laughs> and you've experienced this yourself now i don't know if the truck driver that was in the collision with him i don't know who was at fault i know for like 20 years he was claiming Biden was claiming the guy was drunk and he never was, but I don't know. But <clears throat> like you said, this guy's already committed a crime just being here. So why are you saying the next crime he commits that kills somebody is not serious enough to make him leave? Right. That's, that's absurd. So. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a weird time. It's depressing. But I think maybe on that note, it's time to uh, to wrap up. I know we're getting short on time here. But um, yeah, for anyone out there, you know, I hope you really take what we say to heart because everything that we're we're saying is based on the reality of the situation. You know, we're, we're not saying this because we're trying to make money. We're not saying this because we're trying to get elected to office. It's this is the truth that nobody wants to talk about. And you know, if I don't know how you could. But if you understand all this and you understand the reality of this and you still think that we should have open borders, then good on you. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how you can you can do that. You have a much stronger will than I do, I guess, to, to stick to your police that way. But in any case, we hope you uh, hope you pay attention to what we said because it's it's serious. And you know, we say it all the time, and I think we're gonna say it forever for all eternity. You know, the stories we talk about it, you have to understand that this stuff doesn't go, it, it goes under the radar and it's being done on purpose. And it's being done for some reason that we can't, I mean, we have our suspicions, but, you know, that's a whole nother show, I, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, especially in this time, just pay attention, understand that this is a, a major problem that nobody wants to talk about. And I think more people are waking up to the fact that the media is not your friend, the media is not going to give you an honest story they're not going to give you a factual story they're going to give you a story that either one they want to they want to change your opinion with or they want to make you mad because they're simply about clicks and money and ratings and everything else and we're here to to kind of counter that we're here to just give you as much factual information as possible and we encourage you to to research as much as you can on your own and verify your sources and don't just take anything that anybody says at face value. So on that note, I'll turn it over to you, Don. Is there anything else you want to add before we, we sign off? I couldn't have said it any better than you just did. Um, and I do hope that people are listening and not just listening, but you know, if they don't believe us, they're looking into it, not just saying, I don't believe you. Yeah. 
And if they do believe us, that they, you know, even if it's as simple as writing, sending an email or a letter or whatever to your congressman or your senator and, and pass the message along, because I never thought it would happen to me until it did. So it could happen to you the same way. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> on that note, um, I will say goodnight. I will say thank you to everyone out there listening. We really appreciate it. Um, as always, I'll put the link to the story in our show notes. And we thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.